to turn with me to uh, turn with me to Second Timothy, and uh, we'll be in Second uh, Timothy chapter two. I believe we're going to start at at the beginning of Second Timothy two. All right, glory to God. I'm going to read. I'm going to read these first couple of verses, and then I want to share with you where we're going to be going. But let's just lay the foundation first, and, and I'm going to pray first. Father, I thank you in Jesus' name for your word. I thank you, Lord, that your word is life. Your word changes us. Your word is what is the answer for our lives it is everything that we need, your words, your name, all of it, Lord, we need. But we thank you for this time in your word, Lord, because your word is what sustains us. It's what causes us to grow spiritually. And so, Father, we thank you for the revelation knowledge that will flow this morning, that will cause us to go from glory to glory into the plan of God that you have for us individually and corporately. And Lord, we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. And as Brother Tracy always says, Lord, help me to help your people. That's, that's the important thing. All right, so let's read these first couple of verses here. There, uh, Let's go over to New King James, please. Hallelujah. Just a little bit different, but takes the these and thous out. Um, you therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. So uh, just in, I want to make a comment on, on that, that one verse because we live in a day where we need to be strong in the grace of God. Now, we need to understand what that means that, because there's a lot of mixed messaging out there over the last 10 plus years about the grace of God. And so we have to understand that grace is simply his empowerment to do his will. His, his grace takes us into his will. It doesn't permit us to uh, operate not being in his will. That's not what the grace is. The grace is not, of God is not a license to sin. It's not a, a license just to do whatever and, well, I've got God's grace, so I'm going to be okay. Really, when we're in that state, we need his mercy more than anything else. But the grace of God, it's his empowering presence that enables us to do what he's called us to do and to become what he has called us to be. That's what the grace of God does. So when Paul is saying to Timothy, be strong in the grace, he's saying, let God empower you. Let God be the source of your strength to do whatever he has called you to do. Okay, let's go to verse 2. And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit those to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So here we see discipleship. This, this is how Christianity works. One is taught the word of God and then you go and you teach others what you've learned out of the word of God. So this to me sounds like... It's a life that's all about just doing the will of God and doing the things of God. And he's just encouraging him to do that. Now, he says this statement in verse 3. You, therefore, must endure hardship 
as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Now, um, we don't like that word hardship. That's kind of like, is that, that's not faith, is it? Endure hardship? Hmm, I don't know about that. Uh, but believe it or not, and you should believe it, it is a faith statement because it takes faith to endure hardship. It takes faith to go through hard times. We don't have, you know, always the, the say-so in whether the time is easy or whether it's hard. Think about our brothers and sisters in other parts of the world. I, and we should be very mindful because of what's going on right now in, in Ukraine. Annette and I, uh, one of our very first mission trips that we did was to Ukraine. And we did healing schools all, all over the western part of Ukraine for about two weeks. And those people are beautiful people. And, and they love their nation. And they love their freedom. And, you know, when we think about a verse like this, that's hardship that they're having to endure. Now, it's all relative because we have sometimes, even here, that are harder than others. But we have to be in a mindset that, okay, I'm called to endure hardship. So when hard times come, I have in me the grace of God that is sufficient to endure. That means you outlast it, okay? It doesn't cut you off. It doesn't stop you. You outlast it, and you keep going regardless, Amen. right? Amen. Timex, what was the old saying about Timex? It takes a licking and keeps on ticking. <laughs> so, you know, it, it, it's, we're going to last beyond whatever is coming our way because we're victorious in him. All right, verse four is where we're getting to. All right, no one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs, affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. So I was praying about what to minister this morning and there was all kinds of thoughts that came to my mind. My wife and I were in Mexico two weeks ago and we, uh, we did a series of messages uh, I really summarized it this way. Each message was separate, but basically this, to summarize it, it was living in the last of the last days. And this, and so I was really asking the Lord, okay, Lord, do I, do I do that part of that message? What do you want me to do this morning? And so as I was praying into that, this scripture came and it actually ties really well in with that theme, but it wasn't something that we ministered when we were there in Mexico. And as I was reading this verse in particular, the word entangle came up to me very strongly. And I'm typically not one to do a whole lot of research into the Greek I, I enjoy it. I enjoy finding out things. I'm, I'm a very curious person, so I enjoy digging into things, but I just don't do it as much because I put more of a premium, because I've, I've learned that here. I put more of a premium on revelation knowledge. That's the thing, and that now the, knowing the Greek and all of that helps us, and, and you know, Brother Tracy, he, he's always knowing the Greek words on different things like that, but, but always revelation knowledge is what's most important. And so I really felt impressed, though, the Holy Spirit. Look this word up and see what it means. Does it mean something more than, you know, just what it 
what it looks like as the English word. So the, those of you that would want to know what the Greek word is, it's empleko, E-M-P-L-E-K-O. And when, when you look the word up, it does entangle, of course, is one of the, um, one of the definitions of it. Uh, other words that came up were entwine, involve with, draw into, engage in, implicate. These were different synonyms that came up that could be used. But the the word is only used twice in the Bible, the Greek word. And so I thought that was interesting also, which made me more inquisitive about it. And we'll look at the other places in Second Peter where the other one is. And then I did find one other place in the Old Testament where uh, the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Old Testament, and in the early church they used the Greek translation of the Old Testament a lot. It's used in, in a scripture in Proverbs. And we'll look at that as well, just to kind of further dig into what this word means. Because what I really sense the Holy Spirit wants to do this morning is to free people from entanglements. There's people here that have entanglements. I suppose maybe all of us have some of them at some level. So I, I'm not going to leave anybody out because when I was going through this, I was like, okay, I, 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 you know, I see this in me where, where I need to uh, allow the Lord to untangle this entanglement that's in my life. So, but we need to really be mindful of this because in the days that we live in, entanglements are really going to hinder us in our walk with God. And they're, they're, they could even be life-costing things if we don't make a changes that we need to make and allow the Lord to free us from those entanglements. Um, and I'm going to, as we go, just to give you a preview of where we're going to end up, we're going to actually... Eventually, we'll look into specific entanglements that you may be dealing with. Because I want to help you to identify your entanglements. You may, they may come to your mind even before we get to the list. But I'm going to give you a list so that you can match yourself up against the list. That's always a good thing to do because it brings it right home into where am I with this? Sometimes we don't even see the entanglements that we have, but they're there and it could be what's keeping you from moving forward in the plan of God in your life because something has got you entangled. And like uh, the, that first synonym was entwined. So I think about, you know, you're, you're, just, you're just woven into something. It's so much a part of you that you don't even realize it's there because it, it's so much the way you operate, you see things from that perspective. Um, you know, in a general sense, I, one of the things that um, Annette and I have learned about over the last several years was the importance of a biblical worldview. So when we look at the world, we have to look at it through the Bible and we have to judge it through the Bible and we have to understand what's happening through the Bible. Because if we look at the world from an American point of view, we're going to miss a whole lot. Amen. Because we, we won't see, number one, how God sees it. We judge it according to our standard. 
and our and, and we've been so blessed here in this nation, but not everything's right. So we, we can't judge it only by American standards. We've gone into nations and and we've seen this too, where many times uh, a missions focus will be to try to bring the American church to another nation. So not only do we teach them the Bible, but we teach them the American way of the Bible. And we try to bring our cultural influence when they have some really good things about their own culture that don't need to be changed. And we could actually take some things from their culture. But the kingdom has its own culture. And so when we go to another nation, we endeavor to bring the kingdom to them and let them be who they are in the richness of how God created them and the uniqueness and all of that. So that's just kind of a, a way that we could kind of all relate to how we're, because we're, we are entwined into our American way of life. If you didn't know it, we are. Uh, and, and it's not all bad. It's, it's a blessing. But, but we have to come out of thinking things just a certain way and understand how we think according to the Word of God. Let's, let's take, I just want to read a couple more verses here because there's a continued thought here. I think that'll be a blessing. What's the next verse? And also, if anyone competes in athletics, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. Okay, so... We have to understand, what are the rules? This, this is where the rule book is. This is the rule book. We compete according to the rules. We don't compete according to what Fox News or CNN or whoever else is telling us how it goes. We don't compete in life. Now, I understand education is important, especially if you need an education to do a particular uh, type of job that requires the knowledge of that. But we don't do life based solely off of our education because then it's all from up here and it's not from here. We use information to inform us of situations, but we use this to tell us what to do and to tell us what the rules are. And so we have to understand how do we play according to the rules. Next verse. The hardworking farmer must be first to partake of the crops. So whatever you produce in your life, it, it better be working in your life and you better be seeing something happening in your life if it's, if it's real, if it's what God is going to do in your life because it's, it's going to be a part of you. It's going to be a part of who you are. So you want to produce the right kind of fruit. We're, we're all producing fruit, right? But some of the fruit's not too good. And it's what you're living off of. And, and it's making you anemic spiritually because you're feeding off of the wrong things. And so we have to produce the right kind of fruit so that we have what we need. You know, I think about, and I, I don't, I'm not going to dwell on this to just because we, we have to deal with who we are right here. But going back to like a situation like happening in Ukraine, you think about there, uh, a lot of these people are now hunkered down, you know, in uh, underground places because bombs are coming and all of that. And, and, you know, and what if, you know, people, not everybody had chance to even take their Bible with them. 
but they're believers and they believe in the Bible. I wonder if they if they're in situations, how, how much did they hide in their heart? How, how much do they have on the inside of them? How much would we have on the inside of us if we got in a situation like that? Uh, would we have enough in us? Would we have fruit that we can eat off of when we're in that situation? Now, we have that daily in life. Just, you know, even without those circumstances, it's all about walking through life. And when stuff gets put in us, I can tell you I had stuff put in me years and years ago, and it, it still comes up. Uh, good stuff I'm talking about still comes up and and helps me directs me I can hear brother Hagen's voice sometimes saying something and I learned it back in the mid 80s when I when I was a student and um, and, and it just it just got into me and it'll just come back up we we all even have that with our you know sometimes our parents had some actually pretty good advice that we didn't think was good at the time but then when we get older it comes back to us and we're like hey that, that was pretty good. Now, now I know what to do with that. So we want, we want the right kind of fruit coming in our lives. Amen? What's the next verse? Consider what I say and may the Lord give you understanding in all things. So we want to have understanding of what God is saying to us. He's going to show us how to be free from entanglements today. How, how many of you want to know about that? Amen? I think that it's an important thing because the, the more we were talking about freedom in the name, and of course, it's going to come all down to the place of the name of Jesus is what is going to make every knee bow. So it's going to come back to the name. There, there was a reason why we were singing about the name because it's all going to come back to that. But we have to understand, first of all, what is causing this to happen in our lives? And where is it happening in my life so that we know how to walk in freedom? Glory to God. All right, so let me give you an example of how Jesus talked about this. It's always good to hear what Jesus had to say, amen? So go with me to um, Mark chapter four and let's let's. We're going to go in the middle of the parable of the sower. We won't read the whole thing. We're going to go to verse 18. This is where Jesus is giving the explanation of the different types of soil. Remember, there were four types of soil. Three of them were not good. We had the wayside ground, the rocky ground, or the stony ground. And then we had the thorny ground. Now, the thorny ground is what I want to uh, go over here because the thorny ground is a great example of entanglement. These are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things entering in choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. See, when we have entanglements in our life, it chokes the word. It cuts off the fruit. You can be, the example is so profound because you can literally be sitting here all the time when, when we're having services and receiving the word. Because this person with the thorny ground, they're receiving the word and the word is actually producing something in their lives. So it has nothing to do with the word not producing. It has to do with the other stuff that's in there at the same time. So 
we have to think about the fact that just because we receive the word and we come and we're attentive to the word all by itself, that's not going to cause us to walk in fruitfulness before the Lord. Because if we got thorns that are coming up and they're, they're choking that out, then we won't see the results. So maybe some of us here, that's an answer to why you're not seeing the results that you want to see. You're thinking, I'm doing all the right things. I, I do, yeah, I do what Brother Tracy says in terms of, you know, receiving the word and how I receive the word. And, and, and you, you see things start to happen. And then it seems like it just gets cut off. It, it never quite gets there. Maybe there's some thorns that need to be dealt with. Jesus gives us three different thorns. He says here, the cares of this world. So that's a big category. That's about everything going on in the natural that worry you. So we know worry is not right. So, so if it's a care, uh, we're supposed to cast our cares on the Lord because he cares for us. We're not supposed to carry those cares, but the cares of this world. And, and it can be something simple. I catch myself, to, you know, I get involved with things I've got to do on my list of things for work or, you know, just whatever. And, I, and I'm, I'm focused on that. Well, if I'm so focused on that that I'm forgetting what the Word said, it, it's now become a care, even though it's something I have to do. So it's not that I don't need to do those things, but it's what am I doing in my heart with those things? How am I... How am I perceiving it? How, what's the priority? Am I giving the priority to what God is saying? Or am I giving the priority to what my mind is saying and what the natural things are saying? And now they're, they're wearing me down and I'm concerned about it. And I'm thinking, oh, I haven't got that done. I'll get um, in the middle of, uh, I, I do insurance with Medicare related things. And when we get into open enrollment season with Medicare, um, it gets a little crazy because everybody at the same time has enrollments. And, um, and so it's very easy to get overwhelmed by that and it becomes a care because it's a never ending thing that you don't see a way out of until a certain date comes. And, um, and then, then it's gonna get easier. But I, you have to do it. So how do you navigate that without it choking the word of God? Now, if you have a spiritual wife that helps keep you in line, it really makes a big difference. So I'll just <laughs> I'll say that, men, listen to your wives. If she's trying to help you with that, because a lot of times, we men especially, we get, we get caught up into what we have to do. And, and our wives are much more sensitive in, in that way. And, um, you know, if your wife sees that and points it out, then let her help you. No, I got a good response off of that one. <laughs> All right. Let's move on to the next one. The deceitfulness. <laughs> the deceitfulness of riches. Okay. Now, let, let's, let's talk about that. Because we know that um, God wants us to prosper. God wants to bless us. He wants to increase us. As a matter of fact, God demands increase. If you look at the parable of the talents, God requires increase. He, it's not just that he wants to give increase, but he requires you to be a good enough steward to have increase come into your life. 
So deceitfulness of riches doesn't mean that um, having riches, having increase is what a thorn is, but it's the deceitfulness of riches. And there are just as many poor people as rich people that fall under this deception because the poor person thinks, or, or just the person that's lacking in some way thinks, if I just had this much money, all my cares would go away and everything would be okay. That's a deception because you don't understand on the other side of all that money coming in is new responsibilities that will present new challenges for you that now you'll have to manage those things and you'll have to be a steward of the increase. So just having more money is... Look, look at all the people that win the lotteries and what happens to their lives. You can, you can see that money is not the answer. But um, now, also, you can have a lot and that be your confidence. And that's a deception as well. So that can be a, a big thing. And then the other thing is the desires. The, King James says lusts for other things entering in, choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. So anything that you desire more than the word of God, anything that you desire more than Jesus is going to be something that's going to choke the word out of your life. So that's a real key to entanglement is you're going to, if you desire something more than you desire him, you will be entangled with it and it will choke you, it will suffocate you, and it will keep you from doing the will of God. And so God wants to move us past those things, but we have to do something about that. We have to identify those things that are choking the word out of our lives, and we have to get free from those entanglements. Amen? All right, go over to Matthew seven thirteen. Let's see something else that Jesus had to say. I'm real happy if Jesus is preaching this morning. I don't need to be doing too much. Jesus can do the preaching. He is, he is the word. And I, you know what I do? I don't know if y'all do this, but when I read the red letters in my Bible, I many times I, I just, in my mind, I'm just sitting at the feet of Jesus. It's like, Jesus, teach me today. This, I, can, I can go there in the Spirit just like those disciples were sitting there and I can partake of that same word and get what, what it is for today that God is saying to me. And so those red letters are so precious because we can have preaching by Jesus to us all the time. Okay, he says, enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go in by it. So, um, yeah, okay, we'll read that next one too. Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way, okay? We don't, we don't want, uh, difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. Go back to verse 13. So, we're going to enter by the narrow gate. And if you, if you look into this, um, King James says straight, but it's not straight like, uh, it's straight S-T-R-A-I-T, which is different than the word that we use straight, meaning something's in a straight line. If something is straight in that, that word, 
it's it's something that is it's tight. It, there's just there's not options. If you want to follow God, if you if you want to get free from entanglements, get in that straight place, get in that narrow place where there's not a lot of choices. But it's Jesus said that's it's difficult. You're going to have to do something. You're going to have to overcome some things to get into that place. Now, the wonderful thing is, is that when we decide to get into that place, thing, other things from a spiritual standpoint are opened up to us. So whereas in one place it's limiting because we're only going one specific way, but in that way is a multitude of blessings and strength and fulfillment personally and then fulfillment of what God has called each of us to do. So it's a wonderful place to be, but few people go there is what Jesus said. Not many people get into that place. Hence, a lot of people have entanglements. Because you just think if you're in a narrow, narrow place, you don't have room for other things. They're just not, you know, if I, if I'm, if I go into a, if I walk into a space that's about as wide as my body, nothing's coming with me, right? So we've got to get into the narrow place in the will of God. See, the American dream is not Bible, okay? Because the American dream says you can be whatever you want to be. But, but that's not... That's not Bible. Each one of us has a plan that God designed for our lives. And there's a book. It's like a script. It's all, it's all written out. We have to make the decision to accept the script and to learn it and start to act it out and do it. And, and it, it develops and it grows but on Judgment Day, the script is going to be opened on each one of us, and we're judged according to what we did with that. Not, a, not whether or not we did good or bad things, but we're going to be, because we, if we're already at that place, we're already made it to heaven. So it's not a salvation question at that point. It's a reward question. And he's going to look at what we did with what he gave us. And that's, that's where we receive rewards or we don't receive rewards. And, and it really solidifies our eternal place in the kingdom in terms of rank, in terms of what God has for us to do as we go forward. So um, it's an important thing. And that's why there's such a warfare to keep us from that place. And church, if we are going to move forward as a body, we all have to get into that place because there's so much for us to do. And in the days ahead, all of the new people coming in, the, the new babies in Christ, the people that are unsaved, if the core group of people in this church are not in that narrow place and free of entanglements, well, how are we going to handle all these people that are coming? We have to be prepared and we have to be ready so that we can be used of God for this great harvest. It's all about the harvest. Amen. Remember, this is Harvest International Ministries, Harvest Church TXK. It is about the harvest. 
And it's not about your money, that kind of harvest. It's about the souls. Okay. The money will come. If you make souls a priority, the money will come. You'll have your needs met, but it is about the harvest of souls. And it is time for us to get free from entanglements so that we can be used by God to reap the harvest that is coming in these last days. Amen. All right. Let's look at, uh, go, go with me to second Peter two verse 20. I just want you to see where this other uh, translation of this um, this is, just so that you can see it in, in another context. Because it's only, like I said, it's just two places. Um, all right, we might need to back up a little bit. Um, so Jesus is talking about false teachers here, or Peter is talking about, he's under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, talking about false teachers. And... Um, Let's see, let's go back to verse 18. For, they, for when they speak great swelling words of emptiness, they allure through the lusts of the flesh, through lewdness, the ones who have actually escaped from those who live in error. While they promise them liberty. Now, I want you to understand when you're reading this, this, this stuff is happening in the church today. Um, not this church, but the church. There, there, there's churches where uh, there's great promise of liberty, but they themselves are slaves of corruption. There's, there's false teachers out there. And, um, and some, of them, some of them, it seems like maybe they know what they're doing in being false, and some of them don't. They've just kind of been led down a path, and they got there slowly and don't even realize where they are. But nonetheless, it's false because it's not the truth. While they promise them liberty, they themselves are slaves of corruption for by whom a person is overcome by him also he is brought into bondage. For if after they escape the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome the latter end is worse for them than the beginning. Okay, so, so this here is a very serious verse because it's talking about the entanglements and it's talking about when you get free from entanglements and then you get back in the entanglements, it's even worse than it was at the beginning. So I think this paints for us a good picture of entanglements and how dangerous they are. Because we want to be free from them, but we don't want to just get free and then go back into them. But we want to stay free from entanglements. And that, that comes through some discipline in our lives. That comes through recognizing what the entanglements are. There can be great deliverances that happen in a moment. We've seen it here in this church. Wonderful things happen. But just like it is when we receive healing, if we don't put something in us to continue to build ourselves up, then we can go back into where we were before. And we don't want to do that with entanglements at all. Now go with me. I'm going to look at this one other place in Proverbs. Go with me to Proverbs 28, 18. This is where it's in the Septuagint. It's, uh, it's uses that same Greek word, empleco, says, whoever walks blamelessly will be saved, but he who is perverse in his ways will suddenly fall. 
that suddenly fall is will be entangled. If, if you look at the direct translation of Septuagint, it says he that's, it actually says he that's crooked in his ways will become entangled. And so when I think of the crooked, it's, it's that we're not walking that straight path. We're, we're just, you know, we're, we're going this way. We're going that way. We just keep getting pulled. And remember the scripture, Brother Tracy brings this up occasionally, the scripture about uh, Satan when, uh, in the book of Job, where he asked him what he's doing. He said he was going to and fro. See that? And up and down. That's crooked, right? It's just kind of here, there, everywhere. We don't walk here, there, everywhere as believers. Because we're going to get entangled. Because when you go over there, there's something that's going to get a hold of you. And you're going to take it with you when you go over here. And you're going to pick up another little thing. That, that's what some of us have been doing. We, we, we've just... We, we go over in, into this and dabble into that, and, and we're like, oh, uh, I just need to leave that alone. But we didn't really get free from it. We just kind of moved over to another place and took a little bit of that with us. And then we, we got into an entanglement here. and took. The, so you've you like been building entanglements, and it's like this web that's been weaved in your life. And so you try to get free and maybe you experience some freedom in one area, but you got all these other entanglements. So the other entanglement just kind of pulls you that way. And it's like a yo-yo that you feel like you're, you're, you're a yo-yo Christian. You go up and down, to and fro. That's how entanglement works. It will literally run your life. But as a believer, we are supposed to be the ones under the lordship of Jesus Christ, but from, from our spirit, we're the ones running our lives. Now, understand the context of what I'm saying. I'm not saying we're, you know, Jesus is the Lord. But if I'm submitted to my, my Lord, he's my Lord and Savior, then I'm the, my, from my spirit, I'm making the decisions. I'm going to keep following Jesus. I, it, it's not, my mind is not going to make the decisions. And what, whatever I... I might have picked up over here is not going to make the decision. It's not going to pull me into something one way or another. And you know how powerful it is, the pull of things. Just think about all the songs that you know from the last 40 years. And you haven't heard some of them, maybe in that much long. And the words to the song just come up in you. Or you hear it. You hear it, you hear it like playing like the... The, the, the melody, but it's without the words. But you can sing all the words. And you haven't heard that song for years. That's how powerful when something gets a hold of us that it is. I, I just, I love that. It's just such a great example of how things get in us. So we got to have the right things in us. We've got to be people that walk free from entanglement. Okay? I, I really believe that the, the Lord is, is so intent upon seeing his people free from entanglements because they're, they're going to keep us from moving forward. And we don't want that in our lives. We don't want to be hindered. We don't want something uh, when, when you, you know, it's like you take the step forward and then this thing pulls you over this way. And, and you're like, okay, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to 
pull back over this way and then something over here jerks you that way. Can you relate to what I'm saying? Has anybody experienced that? Because I think it's a, it's a real thing that we deal with. It's an entanglement. And if you're a soldier in the army, you can't have an entanglement. Why do, why do you think when uh, people enlist in, in the military, they go through a basic training where everything has to be broken down in their lives? They get untangled really quick. And, and it's, not a, it's not a nice and fun thing. And, um, but all of that is done for a purpose, to get them completely untangled, so that when an officer gives a command, they're like ready immediately to follow the voice. Because in war, you don't have time to question things. Okay? And if you're entangled with something you're going to be more likely to question the voice of the Lord when he tries to tell you something. And when something serious happens and, and you are like, well, I think that was the Lord, I, I, but, I, but I'm not sure, because you have such a mixture on the inside of you. And, and you, you don't have the ability to discern what's the voice of the Lord and what's just a thought, what's my flesh, and, and am, I, am I just doing this for somebody else, all of those things, it's just all going through your mind. It's entangling you and it's keeping you from moving forward in the plan of God. We're going to get past this. Today is a day where some of you are going to begin to experience liberty in this area like you never have before. It's time to get past these things. So let's look at some entanglements. I'm sure you, you may have already started your own list as we're speaking, you know, kind of in your mind, you, you think of some things. But I'll, I'll just give you, um, I got about, looks like I got 13 things here that, I, that came to me. And I'll, I'm just going to read them and, and we'll, we'll talk about them a little bit so that you can help to identify maybe this is something that I deal with. The first thing that is on the list that I put, put together is relationships. Relationships can be a great source of entanglement. Because, why is that? Because in relationships, we develop soul ties. Not all soul ties are bad. Husband and wife should have a very strong soul tie. Uh, parents and children should have soul ties. Um, you know, so, so there's examples of very good soul ties that we should have. But there's a lot of soul ties that are unhealthy because we have, we have gotten in agreement with people and linked up together at a level that is causing us not to be able to move forward in God because that tie is pulling us. So that's why, you know, those of you that are they're younger and, and you're thinking about who's going to be your spouse one day and, and who you're attracted to, who you're interested in, you have to be very careful about all those things because you're going to develop a soul tie. There's, there's, there's a godly way to handle relationships as a teenager and a young adult being single that... You have to learn that from, from those that, that can instruct you and learn it from the Lord. 
But there's no need to get into a soul tie with somebody that God never intended for you at that level. But you have to recognize it before you get into it. Now, God's going to free you from it if that's already happened. But that kind of a thing is a great example of a relationship that can hold us back. Now, another example is some of us have friends that we shouldn't really be friends with. And so, you know, light does not fellowship with darkness. So we, we really don't fellowship with unbelievers. Now you're thinking, oh, what, what is he talking about? Let me explain what I'm saying. Because we're called to be a light. I'm not saying we don't be friendly to people. We, we even develop relationships to a certain level with people we're trying to win to the Lord. But that has to be done being led by the Spirit of God to that person. But a friendship is where we fellowship with somebody. And we share this bond with each other. We don't do that with non-believers because they're, they're not of the same spirit. We're trying to get them into the kingdom. We're not trying to receive from them that, that tie. And, and a lot of times, now, I'll say this about that. Because sometimes people think they get a pass. Because, well, you know, that, that really good friend of mine, they're a believer. But they're a backslidden believer. And they're not helping your walk at all because they're, they don't want to go on with God. So even sometimes when it's another believer, we recognize that this person is hindering me because they want to keep pulling me into carnal things. And I want to go into spiritual things. And so you have a decision to make. Am I going to move on and, and I'm going to get untangled from that relationship? And, and you know... And that person can always change and, and, you know, things can get back to a, a better relationship at some point if they make the decision to do that. But if not, you have to be determined. I'm not letting somebody keep me from moving forward with the Lord. And, and this is a, a very serious thing. We, we can even do that in our family relationships. If, if our family has such a strong hold on us in a negative way, that they keep us from moving forward with God. We have to make decisions. It's not that you cut your family off, but you might have to say, you know what? I, I'm sorry. I've got to go on with the plan of God for my life. I have to do what God has called me to do. I love you, but I'm moving on with God. And so we have to make those decisions. We can't let any one person hinder us from moving forward with God. And so, those of you that have that, God is going to help you. But you'll have to make some decisions. This is not a magic thing where, you know, because I think sometimes we think of, of um, uh, some of the things that happen in church as magical. I'm using that word on purpose. It's not magic. It's nowhere near magic. That's a, that's a witchcraft thing. So, but I, I think that we, we think of them that way because we watch too many Disney, Disney movies or whatever. And that it's just going to be this magical kind of thing where everything is just all of a sudden okay. No, you, you have decisions that you have to make to cut some things off. And then you're going to have to walk them out 
and continue to make the decisions every day. Jesus said that we have to take up our cross how often? Daily. That's the cross. It's that decision to deny the flesh and follow him is the cross that we take up. Jesus did different things on his cross that we don't ever have to do because he paid the full price for us. But we have a cross that we have to take up, and it's denying our own lusts and our own self in preference to the will of God. All right, so the next one, what could be an entanglement? Your job could be an entanglement. Now, again, you're thinking, well, I got to work, and I'm not saying don't work. Don't, don't ever, don't sit, don't tell anyone I said that, you know, you shouldn't work. Because that's not, that's not, because if you're thinking I don't want to work and, oh, Brother Kevin said my job's an entanglement. I'm going to go quit my job. No, 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 no. That's, that's not the point of this. But, you know, sometimes people, I got to say that because people's thinking sometimes, uh, they, they, people just look for you to say something to validate your, your feelings about something. And that's, that's not what this is about. When I, when I mention your job being an entanglement, again, it's what, what is the place that your job has in your life? I, I'll, I'm going to tell on myself, okay? That way you, you can just, you know, you can just think about yourself. But I'll tell on myself and maybe help you. So there was a time where when I was, I was in my corporate job and I was, I was working really hard. I was in a sales position and, and you know, when you're in sales and you got numbers that you got to meet and all of that, you just, you just work and you just work until you get it done. And, um, I got to a point where I was working so much that I wasn't even hardly home at all. And, uh, this was years ago and, and I left my precious wife at home to, you know, basically have her own life while I was just, I was just working. And so she, you know, she just found things to do with other friends. And I, I mean, I, if I think about it too much, I'll start crying because I was just horrible that I did it. And, um, and I had to, I had to repent. I had to ask her to forgive me. And, um, and so that's the kind of thing I'm talking about, how your job can be an entanglement. If your job keeps you from doing what you know is the right thing to do in your primary relationships and, of course, in your walk with the Lord, then it's an entanglement. Because sometimes the, the reason that you allow yourself to be entangled in it is because of a, of a mammon perspective. And, well, I need that job because of the amount of money it provides me. Well, if it's got you entangled, that money is not, is not meaning anything to you except keeping you entangled. So in that case, you've got to pray and ask the Lord what to do. Maybe, maybe you're supposed to be on a different job. You're supposed to work because if you don't work, you don't eat, the Bible says. But you have to determine, um, is that at some level is your job entangling you? Um, sports. Now, that can be an entanglement in a lot of different ways. Some people can be entangled in sports from the standpoint of they're, they're, in, they're participating in a sport and they're so caught up in it that it's like the only thing that they do. And coach, am I right? Are a lot of people in that case? This is a great example of someone who lives, eats, and breathes sports, but God is first in his life. 
And, and, and so uh, that's a wonderful thing because that shows you how you can, you can do what you're called to do. It's not about not doing what you're called to do, but are you entangled with it? I can tell you that growing up in a household where sports was a very important thing, I was, um, I was raised on a, a particular um, uh, university uh, team that was my family was well entrenched in. I had a grandfather that was an All-American football player, another grandfather that was a professor there, and you know it was and I started from about five years old going to as many of the football and basketball games as I could and um, I remember when I was in college and I was actually in the marching band I wasn't on the team I was in the marching band but um, I but I, I, I grew up with it so I was in the marching band and we had this big game that was like gonna make or break the season and, and I was a believer. I was following after Jesus. But I was really into my team. And they lost the game. And I was depressed for like a week. And I realized something's wrong with this. this, this I'm entangled in this thing. And, um, it, you know, it, and I had to allow the Lord to, to free me up from that. And... Um, because I'll tell you what, sports can be an altar where it's an altar where people worship. And I don't want to worship at that altar. I'm not going to worship at that altar. It doesn't mean you can't enjoy sports. I'm not saying that. But are you worshiping at that altar? Because if you are, you need to do away with it and get the, get the, get the altar right in your heart. Get, get the right altar. All right. Media. All kinds of media. We got social media. Are you entangled in social media? I bet I could tell you whether or not you're entangled if I pull up your Facebook profile. I could find out if you're entangled or not. <laughs> um, you know, that, that's kind of a thing that we got to really evaluate. How much, how much do we participate in that? How much do we look at it? Um, uh, and within media, news can be part of that as well. How much do you, do you pay attention to the news rather than paying attention to the good news, what God is saying, and where, where is all that? that? Those things can be an entanglement for you. And, and in case you didn't realize, God, I, I'll just throw this in. This doesn't really have anything to do necessarily directly with the entanglement. But do you know that if you're applying for a job and you have a Facebook page, it will be looked at. And you may not get a job based on some things that are on your Facebook page. I know employers that do that. And they, they will get their list of 20 applicants down to two people just by looking at Facebook pages. So a word to the wise on that one. All right. Um, five, debt. Now that's we, we. I think we can understand that entanglement, right? That that is a big one, and it, it holds us back. Why? Because we're we're um, we're committing future money to pay for past things. So it's a it's a direct tie to the past. I mean, and, it, and spiritually, it, I mean, we've been there. So I understand that fully. I'm I'm very thankful we're not there. 
anymore, and it's such a blessing. But having been there, I understand that it causes you to look back. And it's not, because it's a spiritual thing, it's not just in the financial realm that it does that. So it's an entanglement we need to be free from. Amen? I don't think I need to say much about that because I think we all know what that's all about. Um, number six, addictive behaviors. This is maybe a more obvious one. I, I didn't, I, I really thought about that first, but I didn't want to put it first because I don't, I don't want, I don't, didn't want to put all the obvious ones there first because, um, because then, then people kind of think, oh, well, I don't, you know, that's not me so much. You know, maybe I don't have a, I don't have drug, alcohol, pornography addictions and things like that. Those are all real though. And they are definitely things that will entangle people in a very, very serious way. And so we have to be free from those entanglements. And we, and then again, as I said before, that's a process of putting the word into you and walking in a discipleship type manner where, where you're having the Lord really continue to, to bring you into the fullness of what he has for you. All right, here's one that we don't think about as much probably. How about gossip? Is that an entanglement? Oh, yeah, that's an entanglement. Think about how it's an entanglement because um, you're, you're saying, if you're the one saying, now remember, if you're saying it or listening to it, it's the same. You're a gossiper. Okay? It, you, you don't get off the hook because they, oh, they said it. No, no, no. You participated if you listened. You can say, you can tell that, you can, you can just say, oh, I'm sorry, I, you know, I'm not going to participate with that. You, you'll just have to tell somebody else about that. You can do that. That's possible. Because it, it's an entanglement. Why? Because now, now, a lot of times it's not even true. But let's say if it's even true, you, you have information about somebody that you're carrying around with you. Did you just get entangled or not? Yeah, you just got entangled. Because now you know something that... Uh, makes you maybe feel better about yourself because, oh, I wouldn't do that. You know, there's all these kinds of things and we get all trapped into it. And so we don't want to do the gossiping. We don't want to listen to the gossiping. This is a really big church issue. I mean, it goes on everywhere, but oh my goodness, in church, gossip is, I think it's on one of the top things on the list of, of sins in the church. Because why? Because we get into relationships more closely with people. And so, and we also in church, we, we make ourselves vulnerable. We, we express things that are deep in our lives and in our hearts. And so it's just someone that would have a tendency to want to participate in the gossip there. It's like, you know, Food for the fodder. It, it's just it's just there. So don't participate with it. I think that's a that's a easier. It can be easier to get free from that if you want if you decide that you want to be bold about it, and and just you know say no to some people because some of you, your problem is is that you you don't have the boldness to tell the person that's gossiping to you to stop. 
and that you won't listen to it. But that's what you'll have to do. You just have to say, no, I don't, and, and call it out. And that, that'll, that'll stop them right away. I, I'm sorry, I'm not participating with gossip. Don't be nice about it. Don't, you know, don't say bless your heart or, you know, how we do. Because <laughs> that's the thing. You can gossip, and if you put bless, bless their heart on the end of it, it was okay. But I learned that. I didn't know about all that until I moved here. But <laughs> been here almost 12 years. So, I, you know, we learned about this little southern tricks. <laughs> but you have to, you, if you say, I'm not going to, I'm sorry, I'm not, I'm not going to participate with gossip. They, they will not come back to you, I don't think. Um, <laughs> Because they just got called out. And that takes me to the next one, which you can do similar things with. Lying is another one that you can get entangled. Now, some of, some of you may think, well, I'd, I'm not a liar. Well, maybe not big ones. But uh, a lot of times we, we tell either what we call white lies or we exaggerate, which actually is a lie. And um, now I learned this from Brother Keith Moore many, many years ago. And um, again, I had wonderful help from my wife who, who told me, you need to listen to Brother Moore's series on honor. And, and so I said, okay. I'll, I wasn't real happy about it. I don't think when she told me I needed to do that. <laughs> but I did, and it was a blessing. And one of the things that he said on that was about, about this very thing. And he said, the, the only way that you can deal with that is, is that as soon as you catch yourself you just have to tell on yourself, and you just have to say the word. I, I'm sorry, I lied. And even if it was just like this little exaggeration, just say, I lied. He said, you, you will cure that thing so fast if you expose yourself on that. So I, I started doing it, and sure enough, I, I, I didn't like the sound of that when it was coming out of my mouth. I lied. And, um, and so I started, it would be like I noticed this progression to where like it would be immediately after it came out of my mouth, I'd catch it. And I'd be like, and so then I didn't have to, you know, like go back to the person. They were right there, which is nice because it's no fun going back to somebody and saying, you remember what I said like two days ago? I lied. And, and they're not, they don't even think about it. I mean, that's really, oh, I don't like that. And so, so at least, you know, we were, we were on where they were right there. And I could just immediately say, oh, I lied. This is what the truth was. And then I'd be like in the middle of about to say it and I'd stop myself before I said it. And I'd be like, oh, that's really cool. I, you know, I didn't have to say I lied because I didn't. <laughs> so so I, I know that, that that might seem like a little thing, but you know, when we don't speak truth out of our mouth, it affects our faith because the word is truth. And if we're going to have faith we have to have, in order to walk in faith, that we have faith in the word of God. But if you don't have faith in your words, then faith is not going to work with faith in God. So you have to believe what you're saying is true. And so it's an important thing. If you'll get in, un, untangled from that, it'll really help you in your confessions and just your whole walk of faith. Um, Here's another one that we get entangled with. This is an American thing, especially, or a Western thing, I would say probably, but more, mostly American more than anything else is personal comfort. 
I think that, I mean, I've been entangled in that. Um, I'm not trying to make my life difficult. Don't, don't get me wrong. It's not that, you know, I'm not going to go and just, you know, live in, in a one-room house. I don't, well, I, she wouldn't let me. But, <laughs> but, but you know, I, I'm not saying, okay, uh, because I have this uh, entanglement with personal comfort, I'm just going to make life hard on myself. I'm not saying that that's what you should do, but you should have a disciplined disciplined life, so that you know fasting is is incorporated on a regular basis in your life. Uh, you know, just de- denying yourself in certain ways because it, it helps you not be so uh, just liking the comfort of everything, because the comfort dulls our spiritual senses if we just let that run our lives. And, um, you know, because the whole American way of, of um, you know, working a career, making a certain amount of money to live a comfortable life, to eventually retire. By the way, God is, and I'm not saying you can't retire, but God, retirement is not a God thing because God works. He, he has one day, he, he rested on one day, so he does rest, but generally speaking, God works, and I believe we'll have work to do when we go to heaven. So, um, you know, this whole thing of building our life around the day when I just get to do nothing, is, that's, that's not God, that's not kingdom, because even if you're retired from a, a natural job, God's got plenty of jobs for you to do in the kingdom to continue being productive. So we don't ever want to get to where we're, you know, we're just going to stop doing anything and we're going to be a couch potato uh, for the rest of our lives. All right. Uh, Number 10. Oh, here's one. Uh, Pets. Pets can be an entanglement because... They can become more important to you than people. Uh, You know, we have such a wave of humanism uh, in this world that is putting, you know, people will go to all lengths to do whatever they can do for their pets, but we're aborting children by the millions. And, And so something is out of order with this. And I am, a, you know, animals, I've, I've always done well with animals, had dogs, I had horses when I was growing up. We have geese now, but that's a whole nother <laughs> subject. But, <laughs> but so animals are wonderful. They're God's creation. So it's not about whether or not you have them. You can enjoy them, but they don't run your life. Okay. And, and so you, you, you have to put that in proper perspective. We had a, this uh, friend of ours, in Austria that has a ministry in Austria. We've ministered there a number of times. She told us a story about this woman that she was wanting to um, ask to travel with her in ministry because she, she travels around and, and has a, quite an extensive ministry, especially in Austria. We went with her to an event in Austria, and it was, I mean, all these people were just constantly coming up to her and telling all the testimonies about what God did through her ministry. And so she, she travels quite a bit. And she wanted this woman to, to be with her. And the woman wouldn't do it because of her dog. And, and she not only just didn't 
go with the plan of God and stayed with that dog, but she backslid as a result. And, and, and her life was never really productive for the kingdom of God, all because, well, I can't leave my dog. We, we can't have things that entangle us like that. And there's some of us that that's a serious thing that happens. For whatever reason, we become emotionally dependent on, on an animal. And, um, and we, we have to recognize that we don't want that kind of an entanglement. We want to enjoy them but not be entangled. All right. Uh, we're almost to the end here. Number 11, politics. Ooh. Okay, so we can become entangled in politics. Now, there's all kinds of things politically out there that we can get into. Some of it is in line with the Word of God, a certain political position or what have you. But we have to be very watchful about aligning ourselves with politics because politics is not based on the kingdom of God. It's a whole nother system, okay? And yes, we have to vote in this nation and we want to vote uh, for those that will as much as possible are supporting what is right in God's sight. And we have to recognize that. We need to talk about it. We need to make sure people know and understand that. But we don't want to be entangled in it. I remember there was a time when I listened, when I was in my sales job and I'd listened to talk radio uh, a lot. And I did get a good education. I learned a lot of things about what was going on in the political system. But at some point, I sensed the Holy Spirit saying, you need to stop this because it's contaminating your spirit and you're becoming bitter about certain things and it's carrying over into other areas of your life. And so I just cut it off and um, I listened to the Word of God instead, which was a much better thing to listen to. But that's the type of entanglement that, that we can have and we have to be first for the kingdom of God and, and then allow the Lord, because you know, there's people on all ends of the political spectrum they, that need Jesus, okay? So we have to be able to relate to everybody. We have to be Jesus to everybody, okay? So if you're entangled in one particular political persuasion to the extent that you can't be Jesus to somebody that's on the other side, then something is wrong. So if that's you, let's... Get it taken care of. Uh, number 12, pride. Pride is an entanglement. And the, the dangerous thing about pride is when we're in pride, we don't see it. It's, it's a blinding thing. It just keeps us, you know, we think everything is okay. But we are so full of pride. And, and, and we have, you know, we think that we're above certain things. And, we're, and you know, that's not going to happen to me. I'm, I'm not like that. And, we, you know, we don't examine ourselves when we're in pride. We just think we're okay. And it, it just, like, puts this shield over our spiritual eyes. We, we just don't even see. And so we don't want to be entangled in that. Because pride goes before the fall. And, you know, thank God if the fall untangles us, then, you know, it does some good. But we don't have to have that happen. We can just, we can just get rid of the pride. All right. Uh, the last one on here. How about food? 
Okay, now, I don't, don't, I know, I know what some of you are thinking. Well, well, who is he to talk about food? He's, he's thin. It has, okay, food entanglement has nothing to do with your body weight. You can be as skinny as a twig and have a problem with food. Okay? It, it, has, it has nothing to do with that. Our bodies react differently to food in terms of, you know, some gain more weight, some, some just don't. And, um, and so I've had issues. I've, I've had to deal with food in, in my life, not because it was a weight thing so much, but because it was, I was addicted to certain things, potato chips for one thing. I could eat a whole bag. You get me kettle chips and I could eat a whole bag in one sitting. And I don't want to share it with anybody else. I want it. If, if, <laughs> if my wife wants it, I'm like, well, why didn't you tell me I would have gotten you a bag? I don't. <laughs> so, so we, we have to deal with that. When this, this was one of the things when, um, when COVID first came and, you know, we had time to, that was a great time for, for one thing to deal with entanglements, by the way, because, you know, we didn't have as much to do in those early days, especially. And I just, I, I was like, Lord, I, you want to deal with something, I'm sure. So what, what is it? And um, so he had me get back in the gym and he had me eliminate things from, from my diet. The chips. Yeah, the chips, yeah, the chips was a big one. But there, there were other things too. And and so, but sugar, yes. That was, just ask her; she'll tell you the whole list. But um, <laughs> but but I had to I had to make changes because I I I really like passionately I like sweets, and um, that's the best I could say without saying love because I know I'll get in trouble for saying that. <laughs> so, but. You know, I had to deal with that. And for me, I, there's just not a really good middle road for me. Uh, it, so it's better for me just to say, I'll do, what, I'll do without it. I might occasionally, if it's a very special occasion, maybe have a little bite of something. But I, I, really, I really just do better if I don't do things with sugar in it. So just have to cut it out. Why? It's an entanglement. Because it's, it becomes a lust. And, and so you've gotta, you have to deal with it. And you have to not, you, you don't want something to control you and to be making decisions for you. You don't want, you don't want to be, um, I know people like this, but this is not how we want to be. We don't want to be eating one meal and thinking about what the next one is going to be while we're eating that one meal. It's, that means that it's got a higher place in your life than it should. And you're entangled in it. Just think about it. What you've got two meals going on at the same time. It's an entanglement. <laughs> so, so we don't we don't want to be we don't want to be entangled in these things. <laughs> so, so you have to make decisions about all of these things, and hopefully, I've I've helped you to discover what you need to discover about yourself in, um, in this list. Let's go to, uh, we're just going to look at two more scripture references and then 
We'll finish out here. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 4. What are we, what, now we're get, getting to what are we going to do now? Okay? If we identify all of it and we don't have a solution for what to do now, then you're just left in your entanglement. So that's, that doesn't help us. I mean, we have to know what the entanglement is. But we don't want to be left in our entanglement. We want to get unentangled. So, uh, go, go to verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. So remember, uh, we're in warfare. We started with that in 2 Timothy. We're soldiers. We're waging a warfare. So, but the war is not with the flesh. All the entanglements we were talking about had to do with a lot of flesh. But that's not where the war is. Next verse. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. So an entanglement, I would say, is, is a stronghold. Because if, it, if it's, think about just entangled. It's got a hold on you strongly because it has more than one part to it, especially if there's multiple entanglements. So we're going to uh, pull down the strongholds and we're casting down arguments. King James says imaginations. But really, I, I like the word arguments because there's voices speaking to you. They're saying something to you. Uh, that piece of cheesecake has a voice. You know? Um, <laughs> so there's many voices. <laughs> there's many voices in the world. So there, you are having voices speak to you. So you have to be able to cast down the argument and, and say, no, 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 no. You're making a case to me that I should be doing this, but I'm not going to. I'm, I'm not going to participate in that argument. Okay, I'm casting it down. It's not saying you argue. You cast it down. It's, it's, go, it's the ongoing argument that bombards your mind all the time and you're going to cast it down. So casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. So if it bumps up against the knowledge of God and it says, I want to replace the knowledge of God and I want the high place in your life. So anything that tries to keep you from retaining the knowledge of the word of God in your heart is going to be one of those high things. And it's different for each one of us but all you have to do is think about what are the prevailing thoughts every day in your mind? What has your attention? Does the word have your attention or does something else have your attention? See, if the word has your attention, you can still pay attention to other things, but you pay attention to it through the word. You look at it through the word. But if you are paying attention first to something else, then you look at everything through that, okay? So we want to look at everything through the word of God. So every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So we're gonna bring those thoughts into captivity. We take them captive. They're, they're yours to take. 
Your spirit man is the real you. And your spirit man is the one that can determine what thoughts you have and what thoughts you don't have. If you will dominate life from your spirit man, you can do that. But you, you can't do that if you're not putting something into your spirit to be strong. If you're not putting the word of God in your spirit, if you're not praying in other tongues, if you're, if you're not doing the spiritual things, then you don't have the strength to do that. But when you get strong in your spirit, you can begin to tell your mind, no, 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 you're not thinking about that today or, or really ever. You're not thinking that way. We're, we're changing that way of thinking. We're not going to think that way. We're not going to do those things. And when you begin to get those thoughts in captive, then you have an ability to refuse the actions of doing the things that are causing the entanglement. Okay? So it's not, if you go from the angle of, I'm just not going to do that anymore, you're, you're going to fail because you're, you're going to operate off of willpower alone. And, and willpower is not going to work in the spiritual battle. You need the will to do it, but it's not the only thing. You've got to have the spiritual strength with your will to be able to say, no, I'm not having that in my life. And being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. So you're going to be, uh, so, so in other words, you are so much, remember, it's warfare. I am so much going to kick the rear end of that thing because there's a new sheriff in town and I, I'm, I'm in charge of what's going on here. I'm the one, God made me responsible. There is a garden on the inside of me that I have to tend and that I'm responsible to keep it and to make sure that it is all intact and ready to do the will of God. And so I'm, I'm not allowing you in. I'm not allowing you to dominate my life. I'm not allowing you to tell me what I can and what I can't do. And I'm going to punish you really bad because I'm kicking you out and I'm going to do you harm. And I'm going to call you out and I'm going to expose you and I'm going to tell everybody who you are and what you're all about. And I'm going to help some other people get free from this because I want you to know that God is in charge of my life and God is the one that is possessing me, not you. Okay, so, so the, and I know there's people in this room that you've walked through this in your life and, and you know that this is possible. But sometimes we lose track of the little things that are happening in our lives because we all have those little things that we deal with that will entangle us. Little things become bigger things eventually if we don't deal with them. And so this is why the, I really believe the Holy Spirit is wanting us to, to get this dealt with, to have it, have it dealt with. Can, uh, musicians, can you please come while we're finishing up here? Okay, um, let's go to Philippians chapter 2 and verse 9. There is a name that is above every other name. So every, every entanglement, it has a name. We've named some things. But the name of Jesus is above every name. 
Therefore, also, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Okay, so uh, this the name of Jesus deals with everything in all, all three realms, above the earth, the earth, under the earth. Everything's covered. What, why is that? Think, of, think about this, because the resurrection power, the, it talks about this in Ephesians, the, this, the power that is made available to us, is the, it's the power that God used to raise Jesus from the dead. And it also was in all three realms, because Jesus was in hell, and Jesus raised from the dead, from hell, he came back to earth, and then he ascended to heaven. So resurrection power and the name are completely tied into each other. And the power that is made available to us is the power of God that's going to help you today. We're going to ask the Lord to help us today. This is not just something for you to hear something about this and, you know, okay, well, I, now I understand that. No, he is going to set people free today. This is a turning point for many of you and some things are going to change. Some things are breaking off and some things are going to come into proper alignment. It's not going to be the same. There's not going to be all of the, the these, these patterns that's, that's one word that I hear is that there's, there's patterns that are, are being broken in people's lives. There's patterns that you thought that you could never get out of and that you would never be able to be free from. But those patterns are being broken today in Jesus' name. Ms. Donna, you can go ahead and, and play. Um, hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Glory, glory to God. So this is what we're going to do. Um, I'm going to have an, a general altar call because now we read a list that's wide and varied. So if you come up here, nobody knows what you're dealing with. Okay. That's not the point of it because I could be down here. I, I mean, I, I want free from everything. It, it's not about, you know, just uh, uh, things that people would think are the obvious major things, but it's every entanglement. So if you want to be free from entanglements, the altar is open and just come up here. We're going to pray. And I believe that the Lord is going to do a work in people's lives. I believe that he is going to break chains. He, as this song is saying, that there's power in the name of Jesus to break every chain. We don't want anything remaining that is going to hinder us. We don't want any chains. We want to see freedom in our lives. And I encourage you to take a step forward because it's an acknowledgement. Lord, I, I want you to work in me. I want, I want to be free from anything that's an entanglement. And if I'm 90% untangled and 10% tangled, well, let's get the 10% untangled. Let's get it all taken care of. Let's get it all dealt with. 
because there is power in the name of Jesus. There, I'm telling you, there is an anointing today to break you free from entanglements. And I believe that with that anointing, for some of you, there's going to be an initial freedom and release that you're going to experience, but there's gonna be instructions coming to you so that you walk this out because you don't want to get delivered from that here. And then when you go back out into your daily life to face it again, and, and it's like, now what do I do? Here it is right in front of me. No, the Lord is going to give you instructions because there's some, some of you have to take some actions. You have to do some things that are going to ensure that you walk in complete freedom from the entanglements. And so we're going to believe God that he is going to set us free like never before. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Oh, <laughs> thank you, Jesus. Lord, we thank you for your anointing. We thank you for your power to break every chain in your name, Lord Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that as we have come before you this morning, that you have answered our cry. You have answered what we desired of you to be free from these entanglements. Father God, and we receive the instructions as well, the personal instructions, the marching orders, so that we can be good soldiers and we can stay out of the entanglements. Lord, we thank you that we are walking free from entanglement and walking forward as a great and mighty army of God. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Glory to God. We give you all the glory. Hallelujah.